Hey everyone, welcome to the 4D Experience Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. I'm Dan. And I'm Drew. Got another busy week in Chicago sports, and we'll cover it all, but one team seemed to dominate the headlines this week. Well, when you have the NFL draft, you have that annual tradition of watching football players in suits sit in a room and answer cell phones and text each other. Um, yeah, the NFL draft is a thing. Uh, it's nice to have it back kind of where it belongs and it's normal, you know, end of kind of another harbinger of summer is the NFL draft. So, uh, and, and your Chicago Bears uh, did not disappoint in grabbing the headlines, if nothing else. No, and I think, you know, all of Chicago is, uh, they've become very anxious heading into these kinds of events, given our organization's track record in recent years or their entire history. Um, so Ryan, uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are on the hot seat, as we all know. Every move they make from here on out is under a microscope and dissected and torn apart. And uh, but they made some big splashes. Well, here, here's what I would say. If you followed us at all on Twitter during draft night, I was a little um, I was not exactly pleased when I saw all of a sudden um, Bears trading up because it's like, oh, my gosh, like the only thing you were missing. And, and OK, so they trade up and they get they draft Justin Fields. So let's let's get that out there. Um, they give up a whole heap of draft picks to get their what they thought was their guy. Uh, and he kind of fell to them. So it, it wasn't like Pace threw up and showed up at number three. Um, but on the night of, I was like, oh, my God, he did it again. He has only one play, but at least he played it. So, you know, for a guy who only really has shown he doesn't like to hold on to first-round picks, um, coming up from 20 to 11 – my initial thought was, oh my God, that was way too much. You know, it, it, it was, it was the, it was the, it felt like Trubisky all over again. And, and, and I think I tweeted at one point, the only thing missing was Andy Dalton at a draft party. <laughs> and we didn't, end, but then, but then I sit back and I, I look at the guy that they got and I say, okay, this is a whole lot better of a skill set than what Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky had. Um, this is a guy who Matt Nagy, picked this isn't the pace pick this is a Matt Nagy pick what was his what was he brought in to be he was brought in to be the quarterback whisperer and we've talked about many times he's never had the support from the GM the coach to pick their guy they've never all fully aligned well now they fully aligned quarterback whisperer this is what he's here to do go do your thing let Andy Dalton start this year that's fine Justin Fields should sit on the bench. He should he should observe. He should learn how to be an NFL player. But I love the fact that that dude is super motivated and that dude is a stud. Second best quarterback in the draft, probably bar none. So Ryan Pace, you turned me in the span of about 24 hours. So good going. Well, uh, Ryan Pace is trying to make up for passing on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. That's what he's trying to do because Justin Fields fits that type of quarterback. Uh, we tried to get Russell Wilson. Uh, Seahawks would tell you that they weren't budging. Uh, but the Bears tried. And, uh, I, again, Justin Fields fits that type of mold. They did give up the first and fifth round picks this year and a first and a fourth next year. So, to your point, pricey. 
but man, a quarterback that caliber falling to number 11, it's unbelievable value. When Denver passed, and then when the Cowboys move up, or, or I'm sorry, the Eagles move up and passed and took um, Devontae Smith, you had to think, oh, oh gosh, you know, it just, it fell the way that, that we thought it was, it could fall. I imagine the Bears never imagined he would fall out of the top 10. No, and then you ended up between the kind of a decision between him and Mac Jones. You and I were texting back and forth. Yes, we were. Um, and we both, I believe we both had Mac Jones being the one. I, I almost thought like, oh God, they're going to Mac, they're going to, they're going to draft Mac and Jones. And he might be a fine quarterback. <laughs> He might be a great quarterback. He's ended up with the with the whisper, the real whisper. He ended up and, where he wanted to end up. That's fine. In uh in New England. So, you know, maybe he goes and wins six more Super Bowls and you know, we're all talking. But they got the guy that makes the most sense for the system that they want to run, for the immediate need of what that position requires. It's going to be a modern looking offense. But here's here's what I would say. We have to see the full on Matt Nagy offense with no holds barred running through Justin Fields at some point. And this, it looks like he's got the mental fortitude to be able to run it. So again, quarterback whisperer, go do your thing, bro. So I, to your point on the mental fortitude, I saw something pop up uh, today that take the wonder lick and take mental cognitive tests at the combine for whatever they're worth. And some would say absolutely nothing. Some would say it's everything. But he scored the highest out of like 6,500 people that they tested on recall. And to put this in perspective, Patrick Mahomes scored about 110 on this test. If you score over 100, you're doing well. Justin Fields scored 130. And it, to, again, to make this more practical, uh, Matt Nagy was talking about how he talked with Justin Fields about a pre-draft system that he wanted to run. And when they called him on draft night, he was like, hey, do you remember this? Or do you remember us talking about what we kind of want to do? And it was right there. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you do this. We were trying to run this. We're trying to use this package, whatever. Um, that bodes well yes. for the, the Nagy offense. Um, a couple other things about Justin Fields. You know, we're, obviously this pick will be compared to, to Trubisky. Um, well, be compared with Trevor Lawrence. And it'll also be compared with Trevor Lawrence and all the uh, – there were nine quarterbacks yeah. taken in this draft. There were a lot a lot of quarterbacks, to borrow your word. stealing my phrase. Yes. But, um, but you're right, there were. Um, but Justin Fields, in comparison with Mitch Trubisky, they're both athletic quarterbacks in that they can run. Uh, the Bears never let Trubisky run. Whole other problem. But Justin Fields has a stronger arm, a more accurate arm, a better – arm on the run than Trubisky uh, and, and and big game experience and big game experience. Trubisky played at North Carolina, nothing against the great, wonderful university of North Carolina, but they're, they're not that elite it, level. It, it's not the same crucible. It's just not. He had far fewer games and Justin Fields played in the college football playoff against the best of the best and did well. I think Mel Kiper mentioned like, the two knocks on him were Northwestern and Indiana. Both and games that he won, by the way. Both games he won, but those were the games he played the worst in, still came up with Ws. Well, I'd like to give Northwestern's defense in at least one of those games a little credit. Oh, for sure. They, they, they contained – Yeah, it was a very good Northwestern team, which also, by the way, had oh, two first-round draft picks this season. So, you know, First time you, you, want, you want to talk about uh, Pat Fitzgerald getting getting some, some, some wreck and some national love, uh, there you go. 
Yeah, so a, a lot of pluses here for Justin Fields. But uh, again, you're talking about, you know, does Andy Dalton is our quote unquote QB one, and we still have Nick Foles on the roster, and now we have a third quarterback coming into the quarterback room, and those two are good quarterbacks for Justin Fields to learn from because they've been there and they've done that. Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. Andy Dalton, for all of the criticism he's gotten, he put up some numbers in Cincinnati. And he's been a winner, and and he's never been a a character problem. You know, Nick Foles has kind of had some issues in the locker room every now and again. Um, But, you know, now it – I don't know if this was the plan, um, but it all certainly now seems to line up and actually sort of make sense, which is an odd thing coming out of my mouth talking about the Bears. But here's my problem with this. And, and and this is a whole thing, so we can kind of get into it if you want. But we have three quarterbacks, two of them veterans. Uh, one of them, I think, will not be here to start the season. I would assume it would be Nick Foles. I would assume Nick Foles will be will be traded or just outright cut. But even so, cap space. you have three quarterbacks now. You're going to start the season. As I mentioned going into this, Pace and Nagy are on the hot seat. That does not change just because they drafted a quarterback. They still have to win football games. Yeah, but now the the way you would look at this season, the prism of what you would look at this season is now totally changed. I would hope that you are right, but we go back to Mike Glennon stinking it up for four games, and suddenly, you well, know what, let's just oh, no, put you, you, in. You're you're going to have that same if if Andy Dalton goes out and stinks up the joint, you're going to have the same clamoring that you had before, but now it's that was a John Fox decision. And John Fox put Trubisky in and didn't let him do anything. Literally was, here, go hand the ball off 30 times. Um, I'd like to think Mac Nagy's a little bit smarter. I'd like to think that that's why he's here. And he's not going to throw his prized possession now that you gave it to him out into the fray before he thinks he's ready. I hope. And I Pray that you are correct in this, right? Because that's what I want. I, oh, I, I yes. want Justin Fields to sit and let the Bears be ready for him. Correct. This is a really phenomenal talent. Maybe the most talented quarterback we've had since at least Cutler. Maybe ever you could argue. Right. Please don't waste this by throwing him into a situation that the Bears are not ready for him to succeed. Yeah, no, no, you you can't Bears this up. Basically, you you have to. You have to think long game. You have to. Um, you have to let him sit and observe, and you you don't let him in. You know, maybe you create a, a certain package so he comes out. The other thing you got to make sure is that he doesn't get hurt. But here, here now becomes, to me, the biggest priority. You get his rear end signed. You make sure he is in all of the mini camps from day one, and you make sure that he's in training camp from day one. Don't get into it with his agent about voidable years or any of this other rookie contract crap. You cannot do with Justin Fields what you did with Rokon Smith. It's a different position. It doesn't work that way. He needs every minute in that QB room listening to whomever is talking, whether that's Matt Aggie, whether that's Nick Foles, whether that's Andy Dalton, Mm -hmm. from day one. Well, you can also plug a Roquan Smith into our defense and our defensive system, and he'll probably be successful. I mean, Rokon Smith has been very good, right. but you can plug and play. Well, the, the, what I would remind everybody is his the intention for him was to be the green dot on defense, and that didn't happen his first year because he missed all of training camp. Yes. 
Um, and then he had some issues during the season, but right. that's a whole other thing. But Justin Fields is the quarterback. Yes, he's the quarterback. And everything in football surrounds the quarterback. And everything successfully is run through the quarterback. That does not mean that the quarterback works completely alone. Oh, no. You you, you had to go and, and you had to then get some complementary pieces. And as much as I hate the trading up, he does it again in round two and drafts. Probably the guy that if they had stayed at 20, 20 yes. they may have gone and got in, in Tavon Jenkins, an offensive tackle from Oklahoma State. This kid's a mauler. So the two two big pieces that you needed to fill, quarterback and offensive tackle, in two rounds, granted you paid a lot to get there, yep. but you got there. Yeah, for, uh, for Tevin Jenkins, they traded a second and a third and a sixth this year. Uh, they did receive a fifth round pick as well, which we'll get to later. But Tevin Jenkins, they valued, they rated as a first round pick. And you're right, they probably would have taken him there. They, You talk to their O-line coaches, they think he's the best O-lineman in the draft. They're very confident in him. And yeah, you look at his tape that they put on ESPN. I was going to say, that's a mauler. It's, it's like... Run watching, behind that. Follow me, sir. It's like watching uh, the Michael Orr stuff in The Blind Side, yeah. right? Which, don't talk to Michael Orr about that. He does not like that movie. But it's like watching those highlights of him putting a guy into a bench or putting him over the stands or something like that. Um, impressive tape. We'll see what he can do at the NFL level. Correct. Because every defensive lineman he's going to go up against is... Going to bring it. Is going to bring it. And they're going to test him. He's a rookie. He's going to get tested. Um, so it'll be interesting, but yeah, he's a, he's a big dude. He's a big aggressive dude. And, uh, they weren't done at O-line either. No. So the fifth that they got back, they, they laugh, they, they, they take another offensive lineman. This would be Larry. And I keep wanting to call him Larry boom, but it's not. Um, it's Larry Borum, an offensive lineman from university of Missouri. So you wonder where they're going to, obviously Tevin Jenkins is probably going to be your starting right tackle. I mean, you you lost Bobby Massey in the offseason. Charles Leno has one year left on his contract. You're going to plug and play Tevin Jenkins right now at right tackle. Borum, it'll be interesting to see where they play him. Are they going to try to slide him into a guard spot um, or like a rotation? Or is he just a, like a background backup depth guy? Yeah. yeah. Either way, Still, I'm probably fine with it. So It's, a, it's another need. And, and again, you can't have the offensive line being a turnstile. Uh, yeah. Whoever's back there, whether it's an immobile Andy Dalton, or whether it's the super mobile Justin Fields um, eventually being back there, uh, you got to have some pieces in place for protection. And so I, I, I like that pick at five. No, I think it's something that you had to do. And, you know, we're trading all of these picks. So at some point, if you're Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, you got to be like, well, we need this, this, and this. When or how are we going to achieve this? So they just went out and, and made sure they got it early. Yeah, and we haven't had NFL free agency yet. So yep. the league year has not rolled over, so that could be another way. Now, granted, you don't want to be c continually tapping into NFL free agency because that gets you into the same cap problem that you're effectively in. Um, but it's another avenue that you could, if you wanted to patch up for next season, uh, you can get and improve in that, in that type of market. Now, we have touched on the Bears trading a bunch of picks, but then they make a shocking move and actually trade back to get more picks. Hey, look at that. Uh, granted, they're sixth and seventh round picks, so take that for what it's worth. 
Um, hey, but Tom Brady was in the sixth round. You never know. Um, and we've uh, Ryan Pace, to his credit, has done, done well, well in later later rounds. rounds. So Darnell I mean, Darnell Mooney, Mooney. Yep. You know, David Montgomery's a, a mid round pick. Uh, we've had a couple Kyle of linebackers. Fuller, well, Kyle Fuller was a first rounder, but um, no, he, he's done well with some late round picks. Yeah. Um, so these. Picks, even though they're in the sixth and seventh round, might be actual contributors. Some people say, you know, seventh round pick might not make the team. That might be true. But anyway, we got a sixth round pick uh, running back from Virginia Tech, Khalil Herbert. Uh, Daz Newsom, a wide receiver out of North Carolina. That That's your burner. Me. That's your burner. That's to take the top off. You run straight as far as you can, and you let your hopefully Justin Fields at some point throw it as far as he can and see what happens. You can throw it a far away. Uh, we get a cornerback from Oregon and Thomas Graham Jr. And then, uh, forgive me on this first name, I apologize, but a defensive lineman from Ka-Harris BYU. Harris Tonga. Yes, who's a large, large man. Um, from Samoa, no doubt. Most likely. And uh, so they, they kept getting the big men. They have a lot of big men on their team. In the well, draft. and they needed to get that way. And, you yes. know, they were getting many games where you would just see that they were just getting beaten at the point of attack, and it didn't matter – you know, you ended up having to go to that play action to try to buy time because your line couldn't block what the, they were calling. So Tonga makes sense. Me, he strikes me as basically a backup nose tackle in our, in our three four, like that Eddie Goldman backup. By the way, we're getting Eddie Eddie Goldman back. Who, if you don't remember who Eddie Goldman was, <laughs> he was a run stopping machine yep. in the three four. Yep. Like and. That, know, all that, cards on the table. That, when, that's a free agent acquisition without having to go out and get one. When I heard he opted out of the 2020 season, I literally said to anyone that would hear me, this was before this podcast, but I said, we're, we're done. We can't possibly win because he yeah, matters a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, he helps out everybody. He helps out Mac. He helps out Hicks. He helps out our linebackers. So uh, getting Eddie Goldman back, big deal. Yeah, and then you've also got Robert Quinn coming back looking for a bounce back year, so yep. hopefully he will – go back to form and Khalil Mack is still Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully not getting held as much <laughs> next season or double or, or double team. or triple, but Eddie Goldman will help with that. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I would say from what the expectations were, which was, Oh God, please don't muck this up to it's not so bad. I, I think is a huge, a huge win for, for Mr. Pace. So I, I don't know that the heat has come off. But you know he gets to not be in in and totally in the frying pan for the for the next few weeks. I hope the heat that's on them does not make them antsy to make a quarterback change if things don't start off well. I I hope that that's no the case. I, well, and that's what you're going to find out. You know this is this is why Matt Nagy is here. He is here to guide the transition from Andy Dalton to eventually Justin Fields to get whatever he can out of Andy Dalton and and design a system for Andy Dalton that is probably very, very different. It will look different the second that that flips over, and that's how it should be. Now, we're, we're very rosy on the Bears right now, as we should be. This was about as good of a draft as they could have probably had. And your neighbors to the north have had nothing but drama for the last three that's, days. That's true. There so... You got better simply by that. There were mean, mean rumors that before the draft, uh, the Bears would trade their first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> which I don't think the Packers would ever do. Um, but, no, Aaron Rodgers has basically said, or at least told teammates and told sources that he wants out. Uh, well, he effectively or the wants, GM fired. I was going to say he wants to get the, the GM fired. and I don't know. 
if if he's got enough clout to do that, but he is the reigning MVP. So yeah. it is not settled in Green Bay by a long shot. So they they have some, as as we would say, work to do to get their house in order. Um, well, you know, and they were saying it on the on the broadcast. You know, if Aaron Rodgers does move out of Green Bay, you have Kirk Cousins, who I don't think scares anybody in Minnesota. You have Goff now in Detroit, Detroit. not Matt Stafford. Justin Fields might be your best quarterback in the division in the first next year. First or second. First yeah. or second. Easily. But again, again, I'm just going to reality check this for a second. We have Allen Robinson at wide receiver. That's it right now as far as like a threat. Darnell Mooney is good, but let's not pretend that he didn't drop some passes last year. Wims made a ton of mistakes last year. We got Allen Robinson for a year. Okay. We have Dave, uh, David Montgomery. But if I were David Montgomery and I see Justin Fields gets drafted, I'm calling Matt Nagy right now and being like, I, I can still run. You know that, right? Like, right. I can run a football. I think, please let me still run. Yes. Because Matt Nagy can get, get real throw happy real quick. Um, other than that, like Cole Komet, we, we haven't seen enough to really make a decision. I haven't seen enough of that. Um, and our O-line is anytime, better. Anytime Anthony Miller would like to, to – Drop the attitude and make a catch. That would be a, that would be a plus. Um, anytime uh, Riley Ridley would like to maybe find the field for whatever reason, because that's a guy that looks like he's got all of the uh, all the traits. I just don't understand why he can't get on the field. But uh, anytime he would like to impress the coaches enough to get himself some playing time, that'd be good. So yeah, I mean, you you you're not you weren't going to be able to address all of the holes through this, even if you had held on to all of your picks, even if you did knew none of this, you were not going to be able to, to do that. So right. I'm, I'm of the opinion you, you had to take a shot. You've taken your shot. Now we find out in a couple of years, if, if that proves to be good. And if you get this right, never got to buy a drink in this town again. We'll see. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not proclaiming this, the Ryan Pace redemption tour done. Right. It's not, this is, this is the first step on a lot of things have to happen in a specific order for this to go the way that we yeah. all want it to. I think you could file me under cautiously optimistic and it has nothing to do with the talent of Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins. I think they are great players. I am just, more worried about the Bears organization's ability to develop to, to said talent. Yeah. Um, totally fair. Which has nothing to do with the players. It's all organizational. That's where my critiques come. Uh, I hope this works out because I think Justin Fields, if managed and developed correctly and with the right tools around him, can be a real stud. And when he's out there, he will be super motivated because he's not in that top 10, and that mattered to him. Good, bad, or indifferent, that mattered. three quarterbacks taken ahead of him? Yeah. So, and, and I don't know that those quarterbacks are better. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has the, a better the resume. One, the, one that, like, would have scree- the one that would have made me scream had the Bears traded up, and if he was still there, was Trey Lance. Mm. It had had that happened, I would have said, now, now all we needed was Andy Dalton at a draft party fire everyone because they all deserve it because I don't know what San Francisco sees. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I, I, maybe he had one game. In I was going to say exactly. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe he sees, maybe they see things that, that I don't, but Shanahan's a quarterback whisperer. So they kind of made him pick the guy. Well, so. All right. 
We'll see. We'll see what he can do. Yeah, but I mean, that's the project. This was not. This is not a project. This is a pretty much plug and play. When he's ready, um, be disciplined. Resist the temptation to throw him to the wolves too early. Um, but if it's right, it's right. And don't. And then once you make that move, you got to go all in. You cannot. You cannot do what you did with Trubisky and and have him be handcuffed. And maybe that was deserving and maybe that was the correct thing to do, but it took you way too long to find out that he wasn't the guy because of that. You got to know, you got to know right now. Once he's in, you got to know that simple. Yeah. And and like we said, I I think Justin Fields is Matt Nagy's quarterback. I think he put his foot down and was like, if he is even close to number 20, Make them do what you got to do. Well, the fact that when, once he once that he once he was out of the the top ten, I'm pretty sure, and and it, it wouldn't shock me if Pace went to to ownership and said, "Look, I I know I've effed this up in the past, um, but I need your permission to go take a swing because it's the only it's the only it's the only play he had left. You know, when when you're sitting with eight four offsuit <laughs> and you go all in." You better hope that you hit eight eight four, and it looked like you did. So, it it also, I don't know. I I was banking on them taking Mac Jones because that would be a Bears move. Not to say that Mac Jones is bad. He's a, a very, Mac Jones is safe. Yeah, he's an accurate passer who came from a very set up system. He had some of the best wide receivers in the entire country, it was and a, one heck of an offensive line. And didn't have to make quick decisions. And a great running back. And a great running back. So um, he processed very quickly, which is another thing Nagy likes. So I, I wasn't, su- I, I was, I was surprised they took Fields. I'm happy they took Fields, but we'll see what they do with it. And um, I do like, and again, I don't think we talked enough about Tevin Jenkins, but we'll, yeah, we'll get I mean, more they got later. they got one and one A out of this draft. Um, Hopefully, Tevin Jenkins is a lineman that you can stick there for the next four or five years. Yep, and just. Almost forget about him because he's doing his job so well. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah, the best thing is is that you hope you never have to, you never notice him. Other than oh my god, did you see that block? So we've obviously devoted a huge chunk of our normal time to the Chicago Bears as we thought that they definitely deserved it. We're going to take a quick break. We will hit the United Center tenants relatively quickly as just looks like they are down the death spiral of just playing the string out at this point. They're done. <laughs> There you go. There's your hot take on that. So come on back and we'll 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 throw some nails in some coffins and then talk some baseball. So we are back from break and we're talking the United Center tenants. Uh, What's the left of, the of them? Box. What's yes. left of them? But hey, we got word we can have fans back at United Center. So that's a good thing for all of the five games. Yeah, exactly. Left. Well, whatever. But again, yeah, bigger picture. We're hopefully getting ourselves out of lockdown mode, some sense of norm normalcy. Uh, I just got my second shot yesterday, so uh, hey, <laughs> you know the march toward its normalcy continues. Yeah, you know, usually I go on this long bulls analysis, and if you follow along a couple of my live tweets during their games, I like to break them down quite a bit. Honestly, there's just not a whole lot to talk about. They won a, uh, the second game of uh, a weekend in Miami, which is always impressive for an incoming team because people like to party in Miami. Yep. 
So they got that one. Uh, Butler had a good night against us. Tice had maybe his best game of the year with 23 and 12. Um, and Tice has looked – I'll start positive. Daniel Tice since the trading deadline. He's actually looked like he fits. He's looked like a great basketball player and a great pickup. Um, you don't think because he's undersized for his position as a center, but he's scored points. He's rebounded. He's defended. He's brought energy. I'm very happy with, with Daniel Tice. Um, there's my positive. Uh, the Bulls get smoked by the Knicks, um, by that uh, guy. Who's who's their coach? Who's their coach? Tom Thibodeau. That's right. A guy that, you know. Plays defense. Plays defense. He fo- and by the way, they played defense. Oh, I watched some of that game. Oh, mercy. He hasn't changed. And uh, Julius Randle deserves a whole lot of credit. I think he needs to be. It's stunning that a guy from New York is not talked about enough. But that dude needs to be all NBA because he's been Falling out this year. Um, and uh, props to Julius Randle. Friday versus the Bucks without Giannis. No Giannis. Um, Vucevic had maybe... Uh, it was a good... It was a double-double, 17 and 15. But he was horribly inefficient. Like, his shooting percentage was awful. Um, and he took a lot of shots. He took, like, 27 shots or something like that. It was not a good percentage. Um, Tice, another double-double, 16 and 10, doing, doing his thing. And then tonight, as we're recording, um, they dropped one to the Atlanta Hawks. They were up in, early in the game. It was looking okay without Vucevic, without Levine. And then all of a sudden, Atlanta flips a switch and uh, the Bulls lose. Trey Young's still pretty good. Trey Young's pretty good. Yeah. Trey Young is pretty good. But if Washington wins tonight, that puts us four games behind uh, with – eight or nine games to play, and we have the hardest schedule of all of the teams competing for this spot. It's not one nail, happen. One nail in the coffin, and we're just waiting for the hammer to now but, follow. But, you know, this isn't the worst possibility for the Bulls because now they'll probably they'll be in the lottery. I was going to say you could, you could luck into a lottery ball. Yeah, you up. could luck into maybe Suggs from Gonzaga or, you know, one of the phenomenally talented prospects. Um, Still need to find a point guard. You still need to get a point guard in the offseason. They have some holes to fix. You need to just get them in a gym and let them play. I don't think you're going to see Larry Markkinen back. That's a big hot take. I think he's kind of probably. run out his welcome. Yeah, I think he's played his way out of town. Um, you're probably not going to uh, – Thad Young, I, I don't know. Um, well, what's he got left in it after this season is, is I think, a fair question. I'd like to see Sadoransky back. As our backup point guard, I think he adds a lot of value to the team, and he does a lot of different things. So I'd like to see him back, just not as our starting point guard. And Kobe White needs to be off the bench. Um, and then you have Levine, you have Vucevic. We could talk more about the Bulls and what their next year plans can be, but those are going to be next year plans because they are pretty much done. <coughs> um, not eliminated yet, but for all intents and purposes, it'd be real hard. The way Washington's playing right now, um, yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, so turning to the other United Center tenant, that being the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, not a very good week. And you can probably say the rope has probably been let go. And they had a really hard stretch down the, uh, of, of games coming down to the end of the season, and it's not going all that great. I mean, there's some positives to take, but Tuesday versus the Lightning, Tampa Bay, they are really good. They are really humming. Uh, and they put a, a hurting on the Blackhawks. So when you say that both goalies p- played uh, for Chicago, uh, that's not a good. That's not a good night. Uh, yeah, we did get points from Hagel, Kalinuk, Kubalik, Keith had a goal, Kane had two assists, but uh, 
not enough as the Tampa Bay Lightning, another team that has taken 15 out of a possible 16 points from the Chicago Blackhawks this season in eight games. We knew that that was going to be rough. Not many of them close. Either. And, well, a couple of them were, but, yeah, I think the majority of them, I would say, were not close. Like two, three goal games yeah. where yeah. the Blackhawks were never really right. effective. Um, Thursday, they started the first of two against the Florida Panthers, who you can say their logo looks like Joel Quenville. Um yeah, kind of sort of does. Um, uh, bit of a fight back game. They, however, do not end up picking up the win. They lose four to three in overtime. However, they scored late to get to overtime. Uh, Henestroza, Gaudet, who's been actually a pleasant surprise uh, since the trade deadline. Debrinket had a goal. Kane with an assist. Uh, we just watched the end of the the game tonight against Florida, where they again tried to do some fight back late, but they had dug themselves way too big of a hole. Uh, they they fall five to four in regulation, which pretty much, if the math is is definitely against them, it is not good. It may just be a matter of closing the book on the math uh, for them to make the playoffs. I think their percentage was something in the neighborhood of two percent. I'm sure that is now taking a hit. Um, so that is not very good. Um, but again, I, I keep coming back to I expected nothing from this season. It was a pleasant surprise to see them. Have some say that so positive. I know, but it was, but no, it really was. It was pleasant to actually care about hockey for yeah, a couple no, of no. games there. Um, they play an awful defensive system. They need help on defense. These are things that are known. Um, and it's, and it's the, the, the decor is probably not on this team yet. So, uh, yeah. And, and we're going to start Jonathan Taves, who's a two way center. He, he does pick up a little bit on defense. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, not a Vesna. Um, Defensive forward. I, it will come to me at like 2 in the morning tonight, I guarantee you. Um, but anyway, the trophy Selkie. for Selkie. Selkie, thank you. He is a Selkie uh, finalist for several years um, because he plays a very tough, good defensive style and can win faceoffs. Um, and, you know, the hope is that that becomes your big free agent acquisition next year is a healthy Jonathan Taves. Uh, Kirby Dock actually got a goal tonight, so that's that's good. If he can get a little bit on track going into this, the end of the season, he needs to have a clean off season more than anybody else, I would say, uh, for the Blackhawks. So, yeah, kind of just playing out the stretch at this point. Um, calls maybe for Jeremy Collinton's head. We'll see if any of that moves. But, uh, yeah, like I said, better, better than I expected, but uh, not good enough to make anything this year. I feel like you could definitely see Lankinen and Subban, who have gotten way more action than they've ever gotten, starting to – slow down entirely. And let, in, and let in some, frankly, some bad goals for the first time. But, you know, you brought up the two goalies for the against the Lightning, and I watched a little bit of that game, and yes, Lankinen had let in, he started that game, he let in a couple of goals. Um, but it was still manageable. It was still a relatively close game, and then they decided to pull Lankinen, and I felt so bad for Subban, because he came in cold, and then, like, right off the bat, the Lightning being the absolute offensive juggernaut that they are put too real quick on Subban yep. and that game was done. Yep. And I just happened to wonder like Colleton, why are you throwing? I felt like that was throwing Subban to the wolves at that point. Probably. I mean, why not take a timeout as opposed to try to wake your team up? Um, I mean, unless you thought that Lankanen didn't have it. I, that was just a really questionable goalie change yeah. for me. And then it proved disastrous. Yeah. And I don't fault Subban at all. Oh, no. Him. I mean, you're coming into a game cold, and 
<laughs> it's like the old South Park. Guess what, Stan? You get to play the Red Wings. <laughs> yes. When they were really good. And that's I, I don't even think Stamkos was playing in that game. It was just the cavalcade of other yeah. elite-level scorers that opened up. Yeah. Very deep team, and, and you, you, you see the blueprint, and you can see the gap. And you know how – hopefully you have a plan to get there. Like right now you have Kane and Debrinket that can put tally marks on the scoreboard at will. But other than that, you're it's a little hodgepodge. Godet, like you said, Godet has come out of nowhere. He's had points. That may be a steal and a, and a huge trade win uh, next season. We'll see what a full training camp and a full season can with that kid can do. But I like the raw material that I see. Yeah, he's had points in every game he's played. He had another two points tonight. Um, so he's fit right in. And Hennis Rose has done really well, too, since the trade deadline. Uh, we didn't mention him. But, yeah, defensive issues, silly games like this where you just give up a, a goal in the last minute of a period. You give goals up in the last minute of, the, of a period. Goals in the first minute of the next period. Um, it just seems like, you know, they check out for three or four minutes, and you can't And do then that. you just get crushed. Just get crushed. Like multiple goals yeah. in a and and we've done it to other teams, just not nearly as often. Correct. <laughs> so that's Correct. the point. Um, but yeah, so things looking dim for the the playoffs from the United Center residents. Um, here's the next year. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, one nail in the coffin. We're just waiting on the hammer at this point. So we are going to take another quick break. We just wanted to get in our United Center tenants. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk some baseball. Uh, so come on back. All right. Moving from the indoors at the United Center to the outdoors in the baseball field. We got the Cubs and the Sox. Cubs, not so great. <laughs> uh, Sox, a little bit better. A little bit better. Kind of rounding into form. Um, um, I would almost. I would literally say a little bit better. Yeah. Not not stunningly good, but, but better. Uh, Cubs went two and five on the week. That includes this Saturday's action. Um, that we're recording on had, had kind of a really tough series against the Braves. They they lose three out of four. Um, There's so a couple games where the oh I'm sure a couple games where believe it or not the offense did show up. Um, the the loss eight to seven on Monday was was surprising. I thought they deserved a better fate in that game. Uh, but Wednesday the bats all woke up and uh, they or I'm sorry they lost ten to nothing. They didn't win that game. They lost it. Now they got smoked. Thursday was the game where the the game where the the, the bats woke up. Yes, uh, they that ten to nothing game. Literally, I have this highlighted on our outline because it's literally the only actual highlight of the Cubs week. That's right. This is it was so bad that uh, Anthony Rizzo got an inning worth of work and struck out Freddie Freeman. He specifically asked Ross, "I want to pitch if this is a blowout, and I want to pitch in an inning where I get Freddie Freeman." You may remember a clip that ESPN had of Rizzo mic'd up against the Braves the last time around, and he got Freeman in a rundown, and he's yelling, Frederick, Frederick. And you could see Freeman turn around with a huge smile on his face as he's running. Um, so they clearly have a great – and they're two very uh, uh, extroverted, big personality oh, guys. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and Rizzo's, you know, tossing it up there at like maybe 50, 60 miles per hour. And he threw one right down the middle, and Freeman just whiffed and immediately started laughing. And it's just one of those things. It's like, it's 10 nothing. No one cares. Well, I mean, just thank God nobody got hurt. Nobody that, gets that's hurt. That's the only thing I care about in those types hey, of situations. I'm just going to say, look, 
we had it's, it's fun. Baseball should be fun. I have no problem with them doing that, by the way. Um, just thank God, no injuries. I'm just throwing this out there. Arietta lost six nothing game. Workman lost, but Davies gave up the starter five earned runs. Um, Arietta gave up seven earned runs in his next start against the Reds this week. That game against the Braves, we had three position players pitch: Rizzo, uh, Sogard, and Mar- and uh, and Duffy. How many runs did those three position players give up? Zero. <laughs> they put up a zero spot. And don't tell me the Braves weren't trying. No, I'm sure they were trying. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. But uh, no, uh, positive note, Alzale gets on the board with a win. He's pitched much better recently. Duffy's come out of nowhere. He had a big offensive week. Um, Duffy, if people are unfamiliar, actually came in second to Chris Bryant in the rookie of the year that year. So Duffy's coming in here, a little bit of a downspurt in his career, but he's definitely got talent. So, you know, maybe we found a diamond in the rough there that we can can turn in. Horner, come up from the uh, the extra site or whatever they're calling it. And, the like, taxi squad, effectively. Yes. Uh, comes in and he's been playing really well. So, and Bryant has continued to hit. Well, that's good. Uh, it's good for the prospects that we're going to get back in July when we trade him. Yes. They don't get too used to it because um, he may be headed out of town. There are some positives, but this week it's been more just the pitching has been. Hendricks got lit up. Arietta got lit up. Davies has gotten lit up for like several starts in a row now. now it, it got to the point. We, we've talked about the knife edge that that pitching staff has to walk on. And when it doesn't work, they get this is what happened. Yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> well, it got to the point where they were literally asking Hendricks in his press conference, like, are you tipping pitches? And he's and he honestly goes, it's a thought. Like, I might be. It's happened to me before. Maybe this is something that I need to really look at. Yeah. Because Hendricks, for a contact guy, is not used to having a 7.54 ERA. No, I mean, that that's, that is such an outlier for him. That, it's your ace. That, there may be something wrong mechanically, you know, that's, that's go, go get yourself in the pitch lab, you know, get, get the high speed cameras out and, and see what's going on and have somebody really smart analyze it. So, I mean, it just seems like when one thing's going well, another thing isn't, and the Cubs can't just put it together at any point in time for any sort of consistency. And that's when you get these two and five kind of weeks they just won five in a row and put themselves in a division leader category, and now they're slumped all the way back to the bottom of the division. Luckily for them, no one's taking hold of the division and another five-game win streak, and they're probably right back in it. So we'll see on the Cubs, but I'm smelling more of this, and I'm <laughs> and smelling more of the trade bait come July. Yeah. So turning to the south side, um, a bit of a more rounding into form. Uh, they had a 4-2 and two week, which I think was uh, pretty good for them. Uh, Sunday versus Texas Rangers. Michael Kopech, hey, how you doing? Gets a spot start, goes five innings, 10 strikeouts. Oh my gosh, does he look good. Oh, does that look good? I mean, talk about 95 on the black and then and hitting his spot. just looks different, yeah. doesn't it? It, it, looks, just... it looks good and he looks motivated again. So, hey, you know. If he can be a thing late, late down the down the stretch, they're obviously going to continue to baby the arm. But you know, if that can be a thing, that's that's a really, really good good sign. 
Uh, Jose Abreu continues to do well, two for four with a home run, three RBIs. Nick Madrigal, who's actually learned that he can hit with two strikes. Hey, look at that. Adam Eaton had a couple of RBIs as well. Good on them Sunday. Uh, Tuesday versus the Tigers. This is a bad loss. No real way to sugarcoat it. Lucas Giolito uh, was cruising through six, gets left out one inning too much. This is this is strike two, Tony Larusa. This one's on you. Ooh, we we have some talking to do on this. Oh one. yeah, we'll come back. We'll come yeah, back. We'll come this. back to this one. Uh, Eaton had a two for four with a run scored. Your mean Mercedes continues to do your mean Mercedes things, um, but uh, yeah, you, this is a, this is a loss that probably shouldn't have happened, but uh, it did. Uh, Thursday versus the Tigers. Uh, now in a doubleheader situation, as they had some we had some rain in Chicago this week. Uh, Carlos Rodon. Hey, how you doing again? Uh, 12 strikeouts, 0.72 ERA. Second best in the majors. That's really good, in case you're wondering. Uh, Larry Garcia, two RBIs. Billy Hamilton had an RBI. And Liam Hendricks picked up the save. Thursday, game two, bats came alive. They throunced the Tigers 11 to nothing. Uh, Dylan Cease actually looked really good against Detroit. Nine strikeouts, zero walks, 2.96 ERA. That's also pretty darn good. Uh, Yohan Moncada's bat woke up a little bit. Two for three with a home run. Three RBIs. You mean Mercedes with another home run. Jose Abreu, two for four with two RBIs. Andrew Vaughn, three for four. Nick Madrigal, three for three. Lots of offense here. Um, Friday versus the Cleveland Indians. Uh, not so good. Uh, Shane Bieber, he's really good. Yes, he is. Um, and he likes to strike out White Sox hitters, and he did that 11 times. Uh, Dallas Keuchel probably takes the hard luck loss. They fall to the Indians Friday 5-3. to three. Uh, They rebounded a bit today. Uh, they defeated the Indians 7-3. to three. So they are currently one and a half games behind the Royals, surprising Royals who maybe have gotten out to the, as, as today was Derby Day, uh, the, the early leader, position and now the white Sox have actually turned on the gas a little bit and looks to be uh closing in on them so we'll see but uh good week for the Sox so far yeah uh i think the best note on the white Sox so far i mean you're mean mercedes how can you beat that story but carlos rodan now yeah i mean second best era in all of major league baseball besides some it, it, guy named Degrom. i don't know yeah. who he really is this doesn't look like it's a fluke I'm kidding. DeGrom is really, really oh, good. Yeah, yes. You need to see him pitch. But uh, Carlos Rodon has been stellar. Yep. Every outing, he's looked great. Um, it's really encouraging to see this. And and by the way, Cease, I want to I want to call out Cease with a win in nine Ks and no walks. He's got a two point nine six ERA. Yeah. People get on Cease a lot. Quietly he's balling really right good. now. Yes, he's quietly been very good uh starting pitching has been surprisingly very good um other than giolito's six run thing in boston i can't really fault starters all that much well giolito's got a you know we we just talked about starters in chicago and and hendrix being the ace with a seven plus giolito's got a 5.68 and and i know a lot of that a lot of that's from that boston game I know he had that, you know, great game with, with, with speaking of Bieber, this is the great game against Bieber um, the last week or the week before. But is it a little cause for concern that his ERA is a little high? I think it's still April. And he needs to be 
when when he's comfortable and he's not like fidgety on the mound, he's fine. And then when he seems to get kind of, I, I don't know, I guess it's just irpy on the mound is, is when mechanics start to break down. So, you know, he's got to recognize that and be able to go, okay, just calm down, do your thing. His stuff is really good when it's on. Hopefully we start to see more of the on rather than the off. That's just an ERA I expect next to Keiko's name, not Giolito's. So I, I guess for me, it just perks up my sights a little bit. I'm like, and, and I guess I'm coming from it, getting into that whole debacle on Tuesday. Um, but I'm coming at it from a more old school perspective of, dude, you are our ace. I get Rodon is balling. I get Cease is playing much better. And Keiko is Keiko with his resume. But you are our ace. I expect you to get through six. If you got through eight against the Indians, it's not before, how the game is played. It's not how the game is played today. <sighs> you get through five and you're happy. It's, it's a different. It's a different mindset. But with our bullpen, uh, oh no, the Sox's bullpen has not has been probably the one thing that has been a surprise to the negative. Foster has a twelve point seven nine ERA, and that's the guy that is in the game. Next. Well, that and that's a whole other. Why? Why is he in the game? Why is he on our team why is right he now? Correct. Forget in the game. Correct. Forget in the game. Why is he even on the block? You might need to just send him down for a put, bit. Put, put him in the pitch lab. and Put and, him in the IL, yes. quote unquote. Yes. When he's not injured, just let him get some time away from the game for a half second. I mean, Matt Foster has a, a nice fastball, but it is flat and it can get pounded and it did. I mean, even Hendricks, who's our closer and has pitched for the most part very well, does not exactly have a minuscule ERA at the moment either. Well, bullpen ERA, I don't worry as much about, but it's... it's no, Matt Foster with a 12, that's bad. Uh, closer ERA, sometimes they give up a run here, a run there. But if you're talking about taking your ace out in the sixth inning, a bullpen ERA could be. Oh, no, I mean, that it should have been It should have been uh, Aaron Bummer, or it should have been. Because um, Crochet just got put on the IL oh, as well. Uh, who's, who's the righty? Um, Pure. Pure. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Oh, Cody Hoyer. <laughs> Hoyer, yeah. yes. Should have been one of those. <laughs> Well, you're pitching throwing, that game, but yes. Hard-throwing people should have come in. Uh, I, I'm going to put that as a – that was just a mismanaged inning. I'm – I'm, And it happens. I'm not a uh, – I know it comes off on this podcast as I'm a totally loose apologist. But dang it, that's twice. But to me, it's like you have your ace, who, as you put it, was cruising in that game until this inning. And I look at my bullpen and I'm like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And I have my ace. I'm going to ride my ace until proven otherwise. And he, he had, got proven otherwise. He had thrown over 100 pitches, and the anyone will tell you the your effectiveness over 100 pitchers is exponentially worse pitch by pitch by pitch. He was in there for too long. He should have been out. I get it. It's also the Tigers. You know, it's not like the Twins. No, I know. Like but, again, when you set it up that way, yeah. the Tigers are still a Major League Baseball team. They still have guys who can hit, and they obviously did there. So, yeah, game – I'm just Otherwise, saying, you're looking at a five and one weekend. You're and you're a half a game if behind. You're, if the, you're going to be that dude, if you're like Degrom ain't coming out in the sixth inning, Bieber ain't coming out in the sixth inning. They'll be damned if they come out. You Darvish in San Diego ain't coming out in the sixth inning. Okay, I'm just saying if you're that dude, if you're our ace, I, I think you're looking at. I think you're looking at it through the prism of what worked on the North side when they won the World Series. The game is – I know it's only four years. I wasn't even scared of them removed. taking out Hendricks early in the game. It's it's a different it, – it, all I can tell you is that it's a different game. And 
Like Kopech, I get coming out in the fifth. No, no, he's that, coming off of an injury. I get that, and he's not stretched out, and and that's fine. He had been that. super effective, and hey, you know the five innings is great, and I'll take it and and, and bank it and, and and hope for more later. Right. Um. That's yeah, I would love you. You're 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 coming at me as though like I'm defending this style of baseball. I'm not no, necessarily. No. I'm just telling you that this is what it is. <laughs> I just hate it. Yes, I just your high it. leverage inning might have been that seventh inning. And and you and you turn to Matt Foster as your high leverage guy. So do you flip it and you're like, this is our this is our inning. This gets down to baseball stats, which we can talk about with your pitching oh, win, absolutely. save or whatever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You could you can do this with saves too. Do you put Hendricks in, in that moment? Like this is our game right here. I've seen Hendricks. that work. I almost I've seen I that almost say that you do there. I mean, and that's a real option. You're like, get me my save now, Correct. not right. in the ninth. Correct. And then because deal with the ninth when, when the was, ninth comes. Right. When was the where was the danger? The danger was in that seventh. That's inning. fair. That's fair. So, but I guess I'm just coming from it like Giolito's the ace. Who are you going to put in there? I'm not uber confident in anybody in the Sox bullpen at the moment, except for maybe Hendricks. But I just come back to too many pitch. To me, that's a, that is a pitch count driven decision to me, because if he's if he was cruising with like 80 pitches and then he has that inning. I don't have a problem nearly as much with this. It was the fact that he goes back out there. He was already over 100 pitches. You'd gotten what you needed to get out of him. You got a quality start. It was done. Time to time. That's why you put your bullpen together is to get that win. And it was just an unfortunate set of circumstances and a bad loss. I'm just – I also want to throw this out there. I don't know this information, but do you think they have that talk with Giolito? Like, hey, dude, you're over 100 pitches. How do you feel? What are you doing? And you think he just I would hope says, so. like, I'm good. I'm going back out there. I would hope so. I don't know that. I don't know that either. I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. But I mean, to me, that's what your pitching coach is getting paid for. Yeah. You know, and somebody ought to be whispering in, in LaRusse's ear that says, you know, he's got 105 pitches on his count. We might not want to put him back out there. But anyway, we digress. Yes. That was a hot take <laughs> debate right there. <laughs> On Bears Draft Reaction Show. So, <laughs> hey, look at that. So, um, that pretty much brings us to the end of our rundown tonight. Uh, we thank everybody for uh, giving us some of your time to let us talk about Chicago sports with you. It's been super fun bringing it to you. And, as always, we will catch you all on the next one.